Episode 4, What I Learned from 10 Years Living in Brazil, Part 2. Hello and welcome once again to the School of Duda Intermediate English Podcast. I am James, an English teacher living in Sao Paulo. If this is your first time listening, then please be aware that there is a free transcript and vocabulary list available for this podcast. Simply go to schoolofduda.com and you can access all the extra content for this podcast to help you study English while you listen. Okay, let's begin with the third lesson that I want to share with you. Lesson three, Brazil is not for amateurs. In Brazil, you often hear people say, Brazil is not for amateurs. An amateur is someone who is a beginner, who lacks experience, or who is not sufficiently prepared for the challenge. If you're a foreigner thinking about living in Brazil or doing business here, then you have been warned. Brazil is famous for its bureaucracy. By bureaucracy, I'm referring to the complicated systems of administration, the endless paperwork and official documents required to do anything. Doing basic things like getting a visa, renting an apartment or opening a bank account can often be incredibly complicated in Brazil. Opening a business is another level of difficulty. There are so many legal and tax rules that it can take months just to register a new business, never mind start trading. When people visit Brazil, they typically only see the best parts. People playing volleyball on white sandy beaches while drinking caipirinhas. Let me just take a moment to explain what a caipirinha is for anyone who has never had one. The caipirinha is the national drink in Brazil. It is a cocktail made from cachaça, which is a popular spirit distilled from sugarcane. If you mix it with sugar, lime juice and ice, you get a caipirinha. If you've tried one, then I'm sure you'll agree that they are delicious. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. So yes, tourists think of Brazil and think of caipirinhas and beaches, What the tourists don't often see is the day-to-day reality for millions of Brazilians. The bureaucracy is just the beginning. The real challenge is Brazil's dog-eat-dog culture. Dog-eat-dog is a phrase used to refer to a situation of fierce competition in which people are willing to harm each other in order to succeed. This phrase applies more to the competitive business environment you'll find in Brazil where large corporations have a monopoly on the market and will crush anyone who tries to compete with them. If someone has a monopoly, it means that they have complete or almost complete control of the entire market. A true monopoly is when one company has complete control, but sometimes a small group of companies that control a market can be considered a monopoly as well. Unfortunately, because there is a lot of corruption in Brazil, it means that monopolies are common. But I would say it is not just dog-eat-dog in the business world. Brazil is a country with extreme inequality. According to the World Bank, Brazil is in ninth position for the countries with the highest income inequality. The only countries with higher rates of income inequality are in Africa, with the exception of Suriname, a small country located just above Brazil. In Brazil, the richest 5% have the same income as the remaining 95% of the population. A 
According to Oxfam, Brazil's six richest men have the same wealth as the poorest 50% of the population. That's approximately 100 million people. When you see what the poorest people in Brazil have to do to survive, I think it's fair to consider the system of Brazilian society as dog-eat-dog. To understand why Brazil's society and culture is the way it is today, it is necessary to understand its history. Every society today is a product of its past. One of the first books I ever read in Portuguese was about the history of Brazil. It was given to me by a friend who studied this history textbook at her Brazilian high school. I really enjoyed reading this book. Firstly, because it was written using a simple language for teenagers, which made it possible for me to read. Secondly, because after learning a little bit of Brazilian history, suddenly I was able to better understand the behavior of Brazilian society and why the culture is the way it is. It is no secret that Brazil has a history of exploitation. In the past, the Portuguese exploited the slaves in Brazil in order to extract the natural resources and wealth from the country for the benefit of the Portuguese king. After more than three centuries under Portuguese rule, Brazil gained its independence in 1822. But of course, the exploitation did not stop. The abolition of slavery didn't happen until 1888, making it the last country in the Americas to make slavery illegal. Over the years, other foreign nations also benefited from exploiting Brazil through their financial institutions, including my own country, Britain, but also France, the United States, China, as well as many others. As a result of this history, I don't think it is controversial to say that the exploitation of the Brazilian people and its resources by the powerful elite is deeply fixed in Brazilian culture. Today, it is mainly the large corporations that exploit the mass population in Brazil. And talking about large corporations that have a monopoly, one example is the telephone companies. My phone network is provided by a company called Vivo, who have approximately 38% of the market. There are two other companies, Claro and Chin, who each have around 30% of the market. Together, these three companies have an almost complete monopoly of this market. Every single day, I get a phone call from someone at Vivo offering me a better plan. But in reality, it's a worse plan. They're trying to get me to pay more for fewer benefits. I politely say I'm not interested and kindly ask them to remove me from the list so that they stop calling me. But every day I get another phone call. So every day I block the number, but they just keep calling me on a different number. Putting this into perspective, obviously this is only a minor inconvenience. But what I find shocking is the lack of respect that they have for their own customers. The company doesn't care if they're being abusive, as long as it makes them more money. The worst part is that if I cancel my contract and change to one of the other phone companies, they are no different. They do exactly the same thing. Clearly, in no way does this abusive behavior of the telephone companies compare to the historic exploitation of slaves or the terrible abuses and suffering experienced by poor people every day in Brazil. But 
It is a small example of how large companies in Brazil have a culture of exploiting their customers. This type of behavior is so normal in Brazil and the people feel so powerless to change it that everyone just accepts that complaining about it would be a waste of time. Unfortunately, this exploitative culture is one of the negative realities for the people living in Brazil. On a personal level, Brazilians are very kind, but when it comes to the culture of business, you always have to be careful that someone is not trying to take advantage of you. If you want to survive in Brazil, it is a good idea to always keep one eye open. This is an expression we use when we're advising someone to be observant of possible threats and dangers. Okay, moving on to the fourth lesson I want to share with you. Lesson four, traffic lights are optional in Brazil. This is not really true. The law in Brazil says that you must stop when the traffic lights are red but it does seem like many people think it's optional. Maybe this is just me, but I think driving through a red light is a dangerous thing to do. In Britain, this is quite a serious offence. If you get caught driving through a red light, you have to pay a £100 fine and you get three points on your driving licence. If you reach 12 points, then you can have your licence taken away and get banned from driving. In Brazil, it seems like some people only stop at a red light if they really feel like they need to. If there is a police car next to them, then they will stop most of the time. But almost every day, I see someone drive their car through a red light, and after 10 years, I still find it shocking. Motorbikes are even worse than cars. All day long, you see people on motorbikes risking their lives, riding through red lights, often straight into the flow of moving cars and buses. I like to walk as much as possible, but I have learnt that being a pedestrian in Brazil can be a dangerous activity. If you're crossing the road here, then never trust that the cars are going to stop for you at a red light, or it might just be the last thing you ever do. Lesson five, Brazilians love to queue. British people are famous for waiting in a queue. A few weeks ago, we watched thousands of people waiting for over 24 hours in a queue 10 miles long in order to pay their respects to the Queen. They say that British people love queuing so much, they'll join a line and then ask, what are we queuing for? This is completely true. Which is why, after living in Brazil, I was shocked to discover that Brazilians seem to love queues just as much as the British. A classic example of this is when you want to get something to eat at the airport in Brazil. First, you join the queue to place an order. You might think one queue is enough, but then you are told to join a second queue to pay. Okay, so finally, after you've paid, you think you're done. But then you have to join a third queue to collect your order. Three queues! Two queues, I could understand, but three queues. Now that is for people who really love queuing. I guess it's supposed to be quicker and more efficient when you have three queues, but it certainly never feels that way. And it's not just at the airport. It happens all over Brazil. Recently, a Lebanese ice cream parlor opened near to where I live, and immediately it became really popular. Almost every day, you can see a queue of 50 people waiting outside on the street. On the weekends, I'm not exaggerating, the queue is more like 100 people. 
I tried the ice cream once and admittedly it is really delicious. So I kind of understand why people are happy to wait in a line for so long. But last Saturday, it was an unusually cold rainy day in Sao Paulo and I was walking past this ice cream place. I'm not joking when I say there was a queue of about 60 people standing in the freezing cold rain waiting to get inside to order an ice cream so that they could then join another queue to pay and then join another queue to collect their ice cream. This is how much Brazilians love queues. As a British person, all I can say is I am impressed. Okay, now for the sixth and final lesson I want to share with you. Lesson six, Brazilians are warm. Since the day I arrived in Brazil and almost every day following, I've been reminded of how warm Brazilian people are. By this, I mean that they are very open and welcoming. When you meet someone in Brazil, it is normal for them to give you a hug and a kiss. Brazilians are typically very friendly, even to strangers. They are affectionate people, and this is demonstrated by the close physical contact. This direct attention makes you feel like they care. This is an important part of the culture and something that I love about Brazil. I remember one time when I was visiting the UK, I was greeting some people and automatically, without thinking about it, I gave each of the women a little hug and a kiss on the cheek. Immediately, the women laughed. They seemed shocked by my unusual friendly greeting. Thankfully, they found it amusing, but I did have to explain that I forgot for a moment that I was not in Brazil. Brazilian people often ask me if British people are cold. I don't think so, but I understand why British people might seem cold compared to Brazilian or other Latin people. When you meet people in England, you shake hands and smile. You can hug and kiss your family or close friends, but it is not common to do this with a stranger. Perhaps this is changing a little now with the younger generation, but at least traditionally, the British culture is not as intimate as Latin cultures. The perception of British people being cold is relative to the social behaviour of other cultures. For example, British people often consider Germans to be cold, and Russians seem even colder. Now, there are probably many historical and psychological theories that can explain these different cultural behaviours. But in my experience, after enough beers with Brazilian, British, German or Russian people, eventually they all become just as friendly. What is different in Brazil is how natural it is for people to show affection and be friendly. It is a behaviour they have been exposed to and imitated since childhood. When I take my daughter to school in the morning, I see that every teacher gives her a big hug and tells her how happy they are to see her. I expect that there are some teachers like this in England, but I certainly don't remember this being a part of the culture when I went to school. But don't think I am naive. By naive I mean don't think that I'm being innocent or deceived. I know that just because a Brazilian is very friendly and welcoming does not mean that they want to be your best friend. But I do think that there is something genuine in the act of being friendly and affectionate. Research has demonstrated how human touch lowers blood pressure as well as cortisol, our stress hormone. 
It also triggers the release of oxytocin, a hormone known for promoting emotional bonding and positive feelings towards others. If everyone took the time to be more friendly to the strangers they meet each day, then we know the world would be a happier place. Perhaps one simple way for us all to improve our well-being is to be a little more generous with our hugs and affectionate like the Brazilians. Okay, I think that is enough for this episode. Hopefully my Brazilian students will not feel offended by any of the more critical observations I have made about Brazil. In case it is not 100% clear in this podcast, I love Brazil, and I'm especially grateful to the Brazilian people who have always made me feel very welcome. My life has certainly been made richer due to the experiences I have had living here over the past 10 years. So thank you, Brazil. Do not forget that there is a free transcript and vocabulary list available for this podcast at schoolofduda.com. If you would like to practice your writing skills, then why not leave me a comment on the website under this podcast episode? I would love to know what you think about my experiences of living in Brazil. If you'd like to support this podcast, then you can share it with a friend. You can also leave me a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Okay, thank you once again for listening, and I look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Until next time.